I, I just want to, I want to take a minute, um, and I, I just want to look, if that's okay. Uh, because sometimes when you're speaking to a group of people um, in a format like this, it, it at times seems top down. Um, but I, I want it to seem side by side. Uh, because today I want us to learn together. I want us to read together. I want us to grow together. Um, and, and just like Mike said earlier, uh, this isn't my first time preaching, but it's my first time preaching here. And, you know, someone asked me in a very sweet way, are you nervous? And I said, kind of, you know, I, like I said, I've preached before, but when I have an opportunity to preach in front of a group of people like yourselves, I, I, I do get nervous because presenting the gospel to you, and when that happens, it, sh- it should be good. Because you deserve that. So I've, I've prepared, I've prayed, and now we're here in the moment, and I, and I just want you to receive a good meal. So yes, looking at you does help with the nervousness because if I can see all your faces first, if I look up at the crowd, I see some I haven't seen before, then I don't get nervous. So I, I just want to look and just say hello, First Alliance Church. My name is Pastor DeAndre, and for the last several months, I've had the privilege of being your youth pastor. And today, I have the honor of sharing God's word with you this morning. And during our time together, my goal is twofold, really. First, I would love for you all to get to know me as much as I'm getting to know you. My family and I have experienced so much love and acceptance here that it's rejuvenating. Well, to me at least, because I'm an extrovert. And while my wife, Katie, she's an introvert. And she, when she needs to unwind, she likes to go home and the comfortability of her home and be alone. And me, I want to have people over to play board games. And by board games, I mean watch football. And by football, I do not mean the Cleveland Browns game. (laughs) Second, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said, who do you mean? I didn't think I had to say that. Anyway. Second, my hope and desire are not to try and convince you how good God is. But instead, through our study of the book of Matthew today, the living God himself is able to show you how good he is. Amen? Amen. All right. So by a show of hands... Uh, How many of you to this minute still have Christmas shopping to do? Raise them high. Don't be shy. All right. All right. Now, how many of you got, we're going to say majority, if not all of your Christmas shopping done on Black Friday? See, I'm still like, there's still very small number. I thought that would be a lot more people. Okay. How many of you try really, really hard, but for some reason, somehow, you still end up the day before Christmas buying gifts? I'm totally there. I'm totally there. That is me. Well, my family and I were blessed this year because we decided to take Christmas shopping a little low-key. Because of the move, being in a new place, uh, being here, we knew that attempting to Christmas shop right now in this season could be a little chaotic. The stores would be chaotic. The the, the roads would be chaotic. And we said, okay, we're just going to take it a little easy. Just the other day, I was driving down the road, and there was this guy who made a right-hand turn without using his turning signal. I'm like, bro, 
use your turning signal because it's not optional. If it was optional, they would have given you the option not to put it in your car when it was manufactured. But they put the turning signal in your car because it's the law to use your turning signal. If you, thank you. If you haven't been able to tell, I kind of get jumpy when people don't use your turning signal on a regular basis. Now, if I'm shopping for my daughter the day before Christmas and I'm in a hurry and you don't use your turning signal, oh boy. But it's all chaotic. So today, I will try my best to inform you before we start going a different direction in today's message. All right? So let's get started. We're picking up our reading this morning in the Gospel of Matthew, specifically chapter 2, verse 13 through 23. So please follow along using your own Bibles. But if you did not bring one, that's okay. You are welcome to use the pew Bible that is located in front of you. Or you can follow along with me on the screen that is located behind me. But once again, we will be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. I also want to encourage you, if you have anything to write with, anything to take notes with, please take that out because we will be jumping around a little bit here. If you have your phones, please feel free to use those as well. But I definitely would encourage you guys to take notes uh, this morning. But once again, we will be reading from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Let's get started here in verse 13. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Our attention is brought to several things here, starting in verse 13. To start, we know that Matthew writes about the departing of the Magi's. It reads there, now when they had departed. We know it's the Magi's that Matthew was talking about because verses 11 and 12, he tells us that the Magi were warned in a dream not to return back to Herod. So instead, they returned home. Note that scripture states that the Magi returned home by another way. Last week, Pastor Mike, he informed us that these men, these are men who are familiar with the stars. In fact, they used a star as direction to find Jesus. They used a star for direction. I can't use a map. I barely can use Google Maps. And these guys used a star for direction. So I feel like it's safe to say that these are men who are very familiar with direction. Which is why I believe that Matthew is communicating something important to the Jewish community when he says that they found another way to return home. What are some of the reasons in which you might find another way home? Usually for me, it's to find the fastest way home. But before I left, I found the fastest way to my destination and the fastest way back, which usually is the same way. Sometimes while you're driving in your car, you come upon a detour and that detour sends you around and around and around and around. And then you're forced to find another way. Or if you're driving uh, from New Jersey uh, to Erie, Pennsylvania, and it's snowing and you got to travel up and down hills, you might need to find another way home simply for safety. And this is what I believe happened to the Magi. In fact, for the Magi, it was the fact that they could not cross paths with King Herod again because they didn't do what he had commanded them to do in the first place, which was go and find the baby and report back to me so that I could worship him. But why avoid the king? See, scripture tells us that the Magi, they were very wealthy and they had an entourage that was head turning. But none of that mattered simply because King Herod was an evil man that was hungry for power, which is why his search for Jesus started 
in the first place. If we can, let's jump back a couple of verses when Herod first found out about Jesus. It says here in chapter 2, verse 2, the Magi are asking, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. It says here in verse 3, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. I like the NIV that says there in verse 3, that phrase is, He was disturbed. Which means that when he heard what the Magi had said, he was brought to such a restlessness, a commotion inside of his mind that was so unsettling, not only to him, but all of Jerusalem. That tells me that he was so upset about what they said that people started talking about it. There was rumors about how upset King Herod was and it troubled Jerusalem. Study shows us that it was unsettling to them because they know what King Herod is capable of doing when his power is threatened. Now, I don't want us to pull our attention away from our main text for too long, but we need to understand that this is the same man who had his family, his own family, killed for political gain. Herod knew that he was not the rightful heir to the throne of David, and now there is talk of the true king of the Jews being born. This is why he was disturbed. So he starts a search for Jesus, and the true nature of his search comes to light later in our reading. So in verse 13, we are shown first that the Magi, they're gone. They have escaped Herod's grip, and Mary and Joseph have been parents for what could be at least two years at this point. Which brings us to our verse. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying what? Rise, get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Not to worship him but to kill him. See, Herod's true nature of searching for Jesus has come to light to Mary and Joseph through a warning from God. And I can only imagine their thought process right now. Someone coming to harm my child. Such evil at work. See, I remember very fondly the day after my wife gave birth to our daughter, Isabel. Mommy was resting and the baby was fussy, so I decided to take her for a little walk around the hallway to sell her down so mommy can get some rest. No big deal, right? I'm dad. I got this. Fathers, take notes, right? As we were walking in the hallway, I take a break from making kissy faces and drying my eyes from the tears of joy of being a new father, only to be noticed by five appalled labor and delivery nurses. One approaches me with a rehearsed smile and a sense of urgency, and she asks, sir, please return back to your room with that baby. Please and thank you. And my response to her is, why we're just going for a walk why can't we go for a walk i'm dad this is my baby i got this what's the problem she looks at me and says sir if you get close to any of these perimeter doors that band on your baby's foot will send an alarm off and this place will turn upside down in chaos because that alarm sound means that someone is trying to steal your baby i said steal my baby why would someone want to steal my baby? This is, this is my baby. Why would someone want to do something so evil? See, we have to put bands on the feet of our newborn children because people come and take them from the places in which they are born. Teenagers are being aroused with such agony to the point to where they take guns to school with the intent to take other people's lives and or their own. You have Cleveland Brown fans in Erie, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Such evil at work here. Oh, 
What I'm trying to say is Herod was evil. And we can see that evil existed way before today. And now Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they are fleeing from that evil. Now our story continues with Joseph waking Mary and Jesus. Verse 14 says, And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Note the sense of urgency that Matthew is showing us here. He got the child and his mother up during the night to flee to Egypt. He didn't wait for the next day. He didn't wait to fill it out. And I believe that Joseph was so obedient to this point because this is about the second time that he was approaching a dream by an angel of the Lord and told that something was going to happen. The last time that this happened, he was told that his wife would give birth to the Savior of the world. And that surely happened. So I would think that Joseph is saying, God said it would happen, so I probably should listen. Leading us to verse 15, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Which brings me to the heartbeat of what I believe that Matthew was attempting to communicate to the Jewish community as well as us today. So if you have it, please take out something to write with and or use your phones. I give this to you because it is my belief that Matthew wants to remind his readers to look back at God's promises. Which is why he is reminding us of this Old Testament prophecy. And with this Old Testament prophecy, we should be encouraged to know that God has been, God is, and God will always be in control. God has been, God is, and God will always be in control. Matthew tells us here that Joseph waking up Mary and Jesus to flee to Egypt. Yes, it evidently seems to be because of a crazy, power-hungry, evil king that's trying to kill Jesus. This is what it seemed like to Mary and Joseph and even little Jesus who are going through the chaos right now in this moment. But then the Jewish readers that Matthew was writing to and those of us who are reading along to the gospel this day are reminded that the Old Testament prophecy that is found in Hosea chapter 11 says... Out of Egypt, I have called my son. You can't be called out of something that you are not in. Jesus needed to get to Egypt in order to be called out of Egypt because God deemed it so. And he is using the evilness of Herod to fulfill his perfect will and the purpose of Jesus being here. See, sometimes when we're in the midst of our own chaos and, and, and or evil and, and, and all the suffering and all the crazy things happening in our lives or in this world, we get this crazy idea in our minds that God has lost control. Stop giving the enemy that much power. God has not lost control. And if this is you... Let me encourage you, friend, because Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things God works out for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And you have been called according to his purpose. And he loves you. This tells me that God was in control in the garden when Adam and Eve first sinned. He was in control when Jesus was fleeing to Egypt in order to be called out of Egypt. This tells me that God is in control in the midst of the chaos of our holiday season. This tells me that God is in control in the midst of your financial struggle. This tells me that God is in control in the midst of your marriage crisis. This tells me that God is in control in the midst of your depression. God is in control in the midst of your anxiety. God is in control in the midst of your unexpected medical diagnosis. God is in control. And when it all fades away, 
And the ending may not look the way that we think it will or the way that we want it to. Know that it will work out for your good. Because that is his perfect will. Because God has been, God is, and God will always be in control. Knowing this, we continue with verse 16 through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or younger, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. From reading this, we can see that Herod's plan to kill Jesus was bamboozled by the Magi. It's a good thing they found another way home, right? It states here in verse 16 that he was furious. He was provoked with anger, and with that anger gave the order that all these male babies in a vicinity two years old or under are killed, taken from their families, and they are killed. This confirms two things for us as readers. Thing number one, from Herod's resource and his accordance with what he had learned from the Magi, he made the decision to have these babies killed because he knew approximately how old Jesus would have been around the time. My friends, please understand this. When Herod was acting, he was not attempting to kill the Savior of the world. He was attempting to kill the King of the Jews. We know that Herod was willing to kill innocent babies and to cause a great deal of emotional pain for his people in order to keep his political agenda. To follow, as Matthew explains to us once again, this was a fulfillment of prophecy. See, Matthew is explaining to readers, even though Herod was willing to do something so evil, it is extremely important for us to know that it was a fulfillment of God's plan. This is why Matthew brings up another Old Testament prophecy once again. And it says, A voice was heard in Ramal, weeping in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is a reminder to the Jewish community who knew the tragedy that had happened centuries ago when King Nebuchadnezzar's army had gathered the captives from Judah and the town of Ramal before they were taken into exile. Rachel is used as a personification of the mothers of Israel who are mourning for their children as they are carried away. But see, Matthew knows that the story didn't end with tragedy. Because the Jewish people knew that God restored Rachel's children to their own land, which we can read in Jeremiah 31. He reminds readers that joy will come in the future establishment of the new covenant with Israel. And that new covenant was brought by Jesus Christ. And friends, you are in that new covenant. So the chaos, it will not last because peace has been brought to you by Jesus Christ. So Matthew is reminding us that even though through all of this evil, all of this chaos, God was, God is, and God will always be in control. Herod's actions didn't cause God to change his plans. It's not like God, he didn't say, well, I didn't see that one coming. Now I got to think on my feet. No, God doesn't say that. He doesn't do that. God always has a plan and a purpose. And God's plan and purpose will always come to be. We have to understand that the evil that we will read inside of Scripture and the evil that we will see in this world and experience today tells us all one thing. 
It tells us that this world that we live in, this world, it needs a savior. And because of our sinful nature that has been passed down from generations to generations to generations to generations, we, we need a savior. And God had a plan. And thank the Lord that God's plan was for Jesus to come here to save you. See, that Savior wasn't Herod. That Savior wasn't even Joseph carrying Jesus out of Egypt. That Savior is Jesus. And no one and nothing, not even a political agenda, can change that. So whatever chaos you may be going through in your life right now, through this holiday season, or just the many ups and downs of your life, please know that the only thing that can give you peace and save you is Jesus. And thank God, thank God that his plan was Jesus. Now our part of the story begins to come to an end in verses 19 through 23. So let's take a close look at what Matthew tells us here in these next couple of verses. Verse 19 says, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to a district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth. So that was what, what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, as we were brought up to speed of what's been happening in Jesus and his family's life, we're told that Herod dies. Oh, well, that's over. Just tell us we're done. Herod dies. Then the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. And we're Egypt. And says what? Rise. Get up. Take the child and his mother and go. Because those who are trying to kill Jesus, they're dead. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. So Joseph obeys. But as he does this, he hears that there's this new king and that the new king was a son of the old king and his name is Archelaus. This made Joseph worried. Now Joseph's fear of Archelaus was within good reason because we see he was also warned in a dream that Archelaus may also feel threatened by the existence of Jesus Christ, the real king of the Jews. Which was accurate because it was reported that Archelaus, as a young king, quickly adopted the same cruelty that his father had. So Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, they left Egypt and they settled in a city called Nazareth, and a district that is called Galilee. This is where Jesus grew up. This is where he came from when he went to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. Matthew is informing readers that this was a fulfillment of what was spoken through the Old Testament prophets. Jesus now residing in Nazareth, which gave him the name a Nazarene. Now, as Jesus grows up, Herod's son Archelaus continued to reign with such cruelty that his reign was ended with his banishment to a place called Gaul. If you, were, if you want to remember that, just say, golly, I'm glad that's over. You were like, no, that's not a good one. Okay, focus here. This is where it gets really good. The rule over Judea was thereafter passed to Roman rulers, and they were called prefects. One of whom was called Pontius Pilate. Jesus grows up, 
He goes and he does ministry, healing the sick, casting out demons, making disciples in the land that was ruled by Pontius Pilate. Matthew chapter 27, 11 through 26 gives us the story of how Pilate hands Jesus over so that he is crucified. And as he is mocked and beaten by soldiers, then eventually hung on a cross with the title, this is Jesus. What? King of the Jews. Once again, proving that God has been, God is, and God will always be in control. Jesus, born in a manger, prophecy. Called out of Egypt, prophecy. Called a Nazarene, prophecy. And then, Jesus dying on a cross to save the world from their sinful nature, also prophecy. From all the chaos that we just read through, Jesus running from birth, a crazy king killing baby boys, his son being banished, all of it seems chaotic. But through it all, God never lost control because he had a plan. So I leave you with this. If you consider yourself to be a believer in Jesus Christ, in the midst of your chaos, would you remind yourself that through all of the chaos, God is in control? Would you worship him as though he is in control? Would you celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world this week, knowing that it was God's plan to bring him here? That is why we celebrate Christmas. Because it is a fulfillment of the prophecy of the Savior of the world being born to save sinners just like you and me. And if you're an unbeliever and you feel as though you are in chaos, please know that God can and he will give you peace. But we have to remember what the book of Isaiah tells us. And it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. But no, scripture also states that if you confess your sin, he is just and righteous to forgive you of your sin, to give you peace, to give you love, to give you grace, and to give you mercy. So would you come this day, pray for the forgiveness of your sin, give away the things that separate you from him, and would you allow God to be your peace this Christmas Eve, and would you allow God to be in control? allowing his spirit to bring you from darkness to light. So I, I just want to look. And I want to tell you all, I, I don't have to have personal conversations for you all to know that this holiday season just brings chaos. I don't know what's going on in all of your lives. I can't even imagine. But the one thing that I do know, that God has been, God is, and God will always be in control. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we exalt you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are Alpha and Omega. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the provider. God, I know that, that life gets chaotic. But God, you are in control. You were in control when the earth was created. You will be in control when the earth is no more. 
But Father, we thank you so much that you sent Jesus here to this earth to be born of a virgin, born in a manger, to grow up a, and live a, a perfect and, and sinless life, to die a very unperfect and, and, and gruesome death in order that we may be freed from our sin and to have life and life abundantly. And because of that, Lord, because of that, we are able to walk on eternity's shore where death is just a memory and tears are no more, Lord. So we thank you for reaching into the darkness and pulling us out. We know that you are good, God. We know that you are in control simply by the gifting that you've given us here as a church with the 2020 vision, Lord. We know that you are in control. And Lord, we know that you will be in control during our Christmas Eve service this week, Lord. Father, we thank you so much for having a plan to save us from our sin. We pray this in your holy and matchless name. Amen.